You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning. <clears throat> I invite you to take your scriptures again, find the book of Philippians. We're still in chapter 3 at verse 12. If you find your way there, Philippians 3 will be in 12 through 16. I'll start back in 8, so depending on where your pages are at, I'll start in 8 to read that for us today. Uh, I think I have a picture in there, don't I, Caleb? Okay, I did that. All right, this one is from Malachi from last week. He gave me two. You can see his collection in the back, but I took this one, Malachi, and uh, this is that little we talked about uh, on the road w- with the Lord, that maturity in faith and growing strong in knowledge of Christ or being tossed about in a rowboat. I'm thinking this is the rowboat being tossed about and compared it to that shipping cargo container ship that was stable in a storm as having that knowledge of Christ. So thank you, Malachi. And those that have papers in front of you or adults that have a sermon notes and you just tend to draw better than you take notes and want to say, hey, Mike, here it is. Uh, give those to me afterwards. And I love, love it when you guys are part of this and especially you kids are part of what we're doing here. So it's great. Let me read from our text this morning and then we'll pray again. Uh, Philippians 3. Let me start in verse... Um, verse 8 here, and then we'll read through 16. Hopefully you're there, Philippians 3, 8. We'll start there. Indeed, Paul says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His his sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Before I pray uh, this morning, I want to just pray as well. I just got a text from uh, Khalees that Marcel uh, uh, Voigt is not doing that well close to passing here, I think. And so Devin and Khalees are with, with them, or I'm sure the family with them, seeing them, so... I want to pray for Marcel uh, today and that family, and then we'll pray for our time here in the Word. So, Lord, we come to you, Father, for the voids this morning. Think of them. Lord, uh, think of Marcel and pray, Lord, for her. Pray for this family as they gather around today that it would be um, a day of joy in the midst of sorrow, Lord, and, and this day coming. Lord, give Marcel 
eyes and a hope in Christ and looking towards uh, citizenship in, in heaven, Lord. And so pray you'd help her to look forward to that and the family. And we just pray you'd work through this situation, that you would give comfort where it is needed, and you would just uh, guard their hearts in you today. So we just lift up that family to you. Lord, now as we try to unpack and we look at this text in this verses 12 through 16, Father, continue. We thank you, Lord, that we can sing songs like you hold us fast. And, you, and Lord, we can sing verses back to you. Oh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We can crown you with crowns and, and exalt you. And so we do that and we pray that the, the worship would continue as we think on your word, as we read in your word today and we study it. Give us minds with clarity. Lord, help what's fuzzy uh, to become clear. And Lord, just help us to push hard into your word and to what you have for us and to understand this goal, the prize of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we ask, Lord, for your spirit to do the revealing, do the working on our hearts through our time together. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I think this morning and every morning we need to hear this message, this this particular passage even. I mean, you could say we need to read the whole Word of God every morning and hear that, but particularly even where we find ourselves in the book of Philippians today. It's a call to every believer in Christ, what we read. That's a call for us today, for those who are in Christ. And I I say in Christ because where we're at this passage, it's not just a a motivational talk, just a motivational passage for us, or, or just a message to Americans, you know, just press on in the turmoil, that sort of thing. It's specific, and it's a message to those who are in Christ. Those who have received the righteousness, not of their own, but from God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a message, I think, that every believer, we, all of us, need to think on. And that's what Paul says in the text. He says it in verse 15, think this way. So, we're thinking. So, for the next 30 minutes, stretch to think. I want you to think along with Paul in where we're at. And also think of your life as a believer in Christ. To think of your certain maybe maybe victories, or maybe they come to our minds easier, our failures. Or to use some of the imagery from the passage here, think about your race, as it were, running a race in the Christian life. Before we get into the text, I want to just deal with something just right up front that's kind of a, um, it's not troubling, but it's, it's, it's hard and challenging as we come to this text, and that's this. There's a certain level, and I'm going to explain and, and not stay here, but there's a certain level of vagueness in what Paul is referring to here, what he has in mind. Hear with me. Throughout this passage, he speaks of obtaining, just in the first verse, obtaining this. Um, there's a pressing on to make it my own or forgetting what lies behind, uh, or straining forward, or verse 16, let us hold true to what we have obtained. There's a lot of, I know it's summertime, kids, but there's a lot of, there's grammar here. There's a lot of pronouns and relative pronouns, and we're going, what's the, what's the uh, antecedent? What's Paul got in mind? There's a lot of it and what and this, and 
and help us understand. And we go, what, what's he saying? So we think of it that way. We're, we're, maybe we, we go, Paul, help, help me understand what's in mind. But then as we step back and we go, okay, okay where are we at? We're in Philippians. We're in chapter 3. What, has, what would you just say Paul's overriding theme has been through here? And we go, okay, it, we're not left to guess what Paul is after in his life in this book. It's at the top of your bulletin, but I mean, it's, it's throughout the book, is that for me to live is Christ. Christ is central to what Paul and his life is all about. That's where his focus is at. And so we're just coming out of verses 1 through 11, the context here, right? And we just, we even read it today. He's, he's got thoughts, gaining Christ, being found in him, the, the, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And so hopefully with that background, it helps to fill in when we get to a this and that and what and some of these things. It helps us, Paul, what do you got in mind? And his goal is gaining Christ. Christ is the goal in front of Paul. So with that then, we head into our text. And let's, let's think, do some thinking alongside Paul in this. Look first at verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this. Yeah, there's our, there's our uh, I guess that's a, that's a demonstrative pronoun, okay? I want to do, do some teaching here. No, uh, let me start the verse again. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own. So Paul, last week, just finished stating he's got a desire. His desire is what? To know Christ. Power of his resurrection, we talked about it as a new life. There's this suffering to be like Christ. It's a suffer to be like Christ, to die, in fact, to attain the resurrection from the dead. But here in verse 12, so that's kind of where he's going. But here in verse 12, we've got kind of a, a temporal statement, a, a present condition of Paul. This is where he's at here. There's words like Paul is now, he's not now fully in a resurrection body, right? He's not, um, he's not already perfect. See that? Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. So he's looking the future, but here it's kind of his, what's his present condition? Interesting, I think you've got, maybe most of you have the word or am already perfect in your text there. It's the same word that John records, same root word, John records of Jesus, some of his last words on the cross. Uh, the, the Greek tetelestai, have you heard that, that phrase before, meaning it is finished or complete? Jesus said that from the cross. Here, Paul, that same word is in use, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect or complete, maybe, maybe finished. Now, there's a sense, to be sure, don't hear me wrong, Jesus, His accomplished work on the cross, His resurrection from the dead, saves us completely from sin. It's what we've been looking at. Again, Jesus, he says it, it's finished. It's finished. He completed all that was necessary for us to receive what we just looked at in the past uh, few verses here before this point. His, this righteousness from God that is by faith. It's completed, a complete righteousness. And yet, here's Paul saying he's not yet perfect. He's not obtained to the resurrection of the dead. And I think it's possible, I've read this elsewhere, that some in Philippi where he's writing to, some were claiming a 
perhaps a perfectionism in their present salvation. They act perfectly, like there's no sin. But Paul here, he would see both. He's, he's seeing, we see it in the text, he sees a righteousness, not his own, from God through faith. That's justification. And yet there's a salvation that is lived out in his life. We talk about that as sanctification, being more sanctified, being made holy, lived out in a life. Faith is lived out. It's not stagnant. Like those waters we talked about last week on a river, the stagnant pooling waters, they're just, they're gross. We're on that river. It's moving. Faith is moving. We're to mature, to grow in Christ-likeness. Paul's words, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God. And it's God Himself sends the Holy Spirit to make us grow in holiness. So it's not to earn heaven, but I'll use language from 2 Corinthians 4 here. Paul says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay, breakable, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. God is glorified in our ups and downs of our sanctification as we move. We're living out our faith. And I think Paul's words here, and, and he's going to say it elsewhere in verse 13, that I'm not, I'm not there yet. Those words should come as great comfort to us on the journey of faith in Christ. Think about Paul. Out of, out of anybody, here's Paul. I mean, he understood he understood the glories of Christ. He understood Christ's death, His resurrection, our righteousness in Him. And, and he says essentially, this is Paul saying, I'm not there yet. I, I don't have it all together. I'm not yet complete. That's Paul that said that. That's comforting to us. Well, man, if Paul, okay, well, that's helpful. But then what does Paul do? And that's the second part of verse 12. What does he do? You see it there. He presses on. He presses on. I'm not there yet. And he's not saying, he's not glad in that, saying, well, I'm not there. I'm, I'm broken and I'm just going to stay there. He's not. He's going to press on forward. I press on to make it my own. It's the first of two times, if you're paying attention to this passage, the first two times he's going to say, I press on. And it's got that idea, we think of, even with the other language here, the running, the pursuing maybe of a goal in a race. I'm going to press on towards the goal. Foot races, even at this time, I don't think they were uncommon in the culture. And so, so Paul can think about pressing on here. And I think maybe there's some sort of race as the background even to, to this section here. But here's a wonderful part, uh, and, and of each part of, of what we're studying. In all this, Paul, he, he never gets too far, does he? Regarding his own pressing on, before he goes back and he says, and acknowledges the work of God. He doesn't say, press on, I'm going to press on. And he gets there, and then he's, he kind of just goes, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He comes back to that. The glory comes back, not to Paul. I'm pressing on. Look at how well I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on because he's made me his own. The race before us, and I, this is hard to wrap our minds. It's already won. 
right? In one sense, by the righteousness of Christ, and yet we are to run the race before us. Philippians 1.6, I think Milk quoted it. It's just so helpful here. He who began a good work in you started the race. He said, go. He breathed life. There's a race. I'm running it. Here I go. The Spirit has worked. He is the same one. He who began a good work in you will bring it to, guess what? Completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, the word completion same, it is finished. Same as perfect here. Uh, not just, but teleo is the Greek word that God will do this completing work. So we press on, and yet in the pressing on, we don't get so far that we don't go, this is Christ's work in us. Even uh, Philippians 2.13, remember when we studied that? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, what? i got to work out a salvation? And then Paul says very quickly, no. For it's God who works in you. There's a working, but behind your working is another more powerful working. It's God's working. You're completing, you're running, you're racing. Yes, behind the race is another one. We press on. John 6, there's some great words. John 6 or chapter 10, but I'm going to read just a little bit from John 6. If you want to look there, uh, you can. I'll give you a second. Um, Come here. I think often, and maybe there's good reason we do. John 6, um, I'll just start in verse 37, just a couple verses here. Think of this in the context of running a race, pressing on my Christian life, this race, my walk, my faith, all these things. Listen to, to the, how, the, how Jesus' words interact. John 6, um, I'll just read 37 through 40 here. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So is there a coming? Yes. What's behind the coming? It's the Father gives me. They're going to come. Father, you've given them. Yep, these. They're coming. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me. But what will He do? He will raise it up at the last day. That attained to the resurrection of the dead is a sure thing in Jesus Christ. And then verse 40, For this is the will of My Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Is there a looking? Is there a believing that we do? Absolutely. And is there a calling and a choosing and a new life that God does behind our doing and our believing? Absolutely. We can, with confidence, we can press on to know Christ for He is the one who has pressed on. He has endured the cross. He's the one that has purchased us. Back to Philippians. It's good news for us. I'm thankful Paul does not get too far before going, I'm here. Christ is here. He's made me his own. Now verse 13. The text sort of kind of resets again. Kind of similar theme. Paul again, I'm not there yet. And and now we learn more. What does it mean to press on here? It's kind of a, a little deeper now. Look at verse 13 and 14. I'll read both of them. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind 
and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let me deal with verse uh, 14 first, okay? And we'll come back to 13 because Paul says, the one thing I do, and then he lists two things. So there's forgetting and then there's straining. That's not the one thing he does. There's there's forgetting and, and, and straining. The one thing he does is press on, verse 14. And so verse 13 kind of modifies, it gives, well, how do you press on? We'll look at that just a little bit. But in verse 14, we've got, again, kind of athletic type language. There's a goal. There's a prize at the end of the race. And, and Paul, as Paul says elsewhere, it's, it's not some perishable wreath. We think of those trophies. Do you have any collecting dust? My trophies from high school are upstairs in the attic. Nowhere to be seen. I don't know where yours are at. Maybe you have like a trophy case, but they're probably in a box somewhere. And they just, they fade. This doesn't. This prize Paul's talking about is the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. The question here, just what is this call? Because to Paul, it's the prize that he's pressing on towards. And so in some ways, verse 14, I think there's a, there's a kind of a hinge to it in this passage. And once again, it shows what Paul is after. As we've done through this section and hopefully throughout Scripture, we use other Scriptures to help us understand. I'll list the references if you want to write them down, but otherwise I'll just read them to you. Help us, Paul, what do you mean? What's this prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Think about that word call. What's going on here? Here's a couple places. 1 Corinthians 1.9. These are all letters from Paul as well. So he says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The call, it's, it's not just a call, but it's a call to something. In 1 Corinthians 1 language, it's a call to fellowship with Christ. Or Philippians language, it's knowing Christ. There's this fellowship with Christ. We're not surprised. That's the goal of Paul. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, Paul is exhorting them there to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. That's where God calls us. His kingdom, His glory. It's not just a calling, come here and... Have a great rest of your eternal life. It's come to my kingdom, come to my glory, to himself. Or Ephesians 1. Uh, We look in verse 17 and following. I'll read a little bit bigger chunk of Ephesians 1 here. This is Paul's prayer for the church at, at Ephesus. And I don't think the word call is in here, but you can hear this. What's this prize of the upward call of God? What has he called us to in Christ? And here's what Paul prays for the saints at Ephesus. He says, praise that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. God's 
immense power is at work in us who believe. It's a power that raises from the dead. So if God has the power to raise the dead, what can He do in your life, O child of God, if you believed in Him as Savior? The one who has called you to this race empowers you to complete it. And this prize, the prize of Christ Jesus, will not fade, will not tarnish or get old. His glory will never end. But then back to verse 13, because God doesn't leave us without direction for our present race, the race of today. Till we go home to be with glory, there's a race to be run. And Paul, inspired by God, writes, how do we run this race? What do we do? First, in verse 13, there's an emphaticness to what Paul's saying. He says, I, it's really brothers, I, I myself, I don't consider that I've made it my own. He's, he's making the point clear. I have not, I've not arrived at perfection yet. But then he says, there's this, this one thing again that we, that we look at. And, and the one thing, as we said, the one thing is pressing on to that prize, the upward call. He's called me into fellowship with Christ. That's my goal. He's called me out of darkness into light to see him, my goal. But here's the manner. How do we press on? What does this look like in our lives? And it's two things here. It's forgetting and straining. Forgetting and straining. And again, Paul's not specific here. I mean, does he, does he mean we just forget bad things? Is, is that what he has in mind? We just forget negative things? Or do we even forget positive accomplishments? What, what, are we supposed to, what are we forgetting here? Forgetting what is behind. And I think in a sense, we'd say, yes, both. Let me pull that out a little bit as we think about it. Think of in the negative way. I, I think if I read this, forgetting what lies behind, I just sinned last night, this, this morning. What lies behind forgetting that? Um, the writer of Hebrews says this, uh, 12, I believe I didn't write it down, 12. Remember, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. So that's sin. How do we, how do we gain Christ when we're fixated on the sin for which He's already covered in His blood? So we've got that sin. We keep looking back to it we're not trusting His blood to have covered it. And so there's a, there's a forgetting what's behind it in, in that negative sin sense. Let me say it, right? It's hard to drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. You just can't. You're going to hit something. So it's move. It's look forward in that. But not just a, a, we're not just playing mind games here either. But we can move forward because of what Christ has covered. But then in a, in a positive sense, I think there's, a, and maybe more so, a, a forgetting what's behind in terms of positive things, a, accomplishments in our Christian walk. In other words, what I'm saying, our running to Christ, it's a present-day race. The danger for us who have known Christ is to look back maybe 10 years ago or longer and say, God did some amazing things in my life. I'm not saying it's wrong to, or it's, we need to forget those, but it's to camp on those, go, he did some amazing things back then. 
I don't know what we're doing today, but it was, there was back then. Or there was that thing back then. Or share the gospel, did that last week. You know, or, or live for Christ, yesterday was pretty good. It's that looking behind. It's, no, forget, there's a current pressing, I'm in the race today for Christ. To not live in that, those past accomplishments. The danger of saying, I've put in my time or I've done enough. No runner is going to run as hard as he needs to if he feels like he's already got, already got the race in hand. You've seen those videos, you know, the athletes, they're going towards the end zone and they're, they're, the celebration comes too early and they're like, yeah, and they drop the ball out of their hand and run in and they're like, no, and they think it's all over. We don't want to be that. We want to run the race to the end. And for Paul, no matter what it is, his walk with Christ, it's not a walk or run that can be lived in the past tense. Today. Press on today. What does he do? He presses on. He strains forward is the next one, the manner. How do we do it? We forget what's behind. We don't take, yeah, did that. No, we're forgetting, but we're also straining uh, one commentator points out this, this straining. It's a metaphor of a runner leaning forward as he runs, this straining forward. Again, Paul, he's not content to have gained Christ as a, as a one-time event or moment. His life is characterized by straining forward to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Is that how you... You describe your life in Christ, a, a straining forward. There's enough of us wants to live back here to strain forward towards Christ to know Him. Well, then we get to verse 15. And first, verse 15 kind of looks back. It's a little bit kind of step back, look back on what I've just said uh, for Paul here. Look at verse 15. And he says this, let, let those of us who are mature think this way. That's where we get the word to think on these things. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything uh, you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Now here, try to think through this passage. What is the way then of maturity? For Paul, the way of maturity, to think about maturity, is thinking in the way Paul's just described. It's pressing on to Christ Forgetting what's behind, straining forward. It's interesting here, the word Paul uses, let those of us who are mature, that's how uh, my ESV says it. If you've got an NASB or King James, you've got, I think you've got perfect in there. Same, here we go again. Tele, you know, teleo, or teleo. That complete, perfect. Paul's already used that word. I'm not already perfect. So let those of us who are perfect or complete think this way. And what's the way of thinking completely? It's that you're not complete. And I know that's, that's hard to get our hands uh, Here's what Walter Hansen says, says about Paul. Now he turns the entire concept of perfectionism on its head by asserting that, quote, what characterizes perfection is not to consider oneself perfect. What? Here's what he says. Christian perfection consists stated paradoxically in Christian imperfection in running towards the goal. 
My perfection in Christ is to say, I'm not perfect. I'm running towards the goal, towards Christ. Righteousness? Absolutely. Justified, declared righteous? There. In living in my daily walk in this flesh? Not there yet. The way of maturity in the Christian life is not having obtained perfection, but it's, I think it's that acknowledgement. How do you know you're maturing in Christ? It's an acknowledgement. I'm not there yet. I want to be Christ-like. And I see these areas in my life all over the place that do not look like Christ. That's maturity. It, there is a maturity that we think of like doctrinally, like we know that, you know, we know these certain doctrines. These are good things. But there's a maturity here that's saying, my maturity says, I'm not Christ-like yet. There's a living out here. And I wonder, some of us, myself included, we've made maturity in the Christian life to be that of perfection itself. How are you mature? When I have an absolutely sinless day. That's when I know I'm, I'm there. Or, or say, why do I keep on sinning this way? And so on. And yet the call here is to strive forward. And maturity, rather than perfectionism here, is a growing, a, a, a straining, a forgetting in order to grab hold of the one who has grabbed hold of us, Jesus Christ. And Paul seems to imply in this last, in, in verse 15, seems to imply it's something revealed by God to us. Again, God is at work throughout, and we see him throughout Paul's life here. He's revealing to us our daily even shortcomings in order that the glory of Christ might shine brighter. Again, 2 Corinthians 4. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Last week, did we quote from uh, 2 Corinthians 12? My grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. There's a glory going on of God in our maturing in Him, our straining forward. We don't have, if we're to use the football analogy, we don't have the football in the air toward the end zone going, look at me, I've, I'm heading across. I got it, got it done. It's to replace that or, or running across the finish line in a marathon going, man, my legs are strong. These shoes are good. I've really worked out. I did this. It's a finger pointing. The athletes are doing this. I don't know why they're all doing that. I don't know all their hearts, but there's something to that, to saying, no, He has done this. He's the one. Christ is carrying me. He's my victory. He's my hope in this. And so the glory goes where? Not to us, but to the one who has crossed us over Christ. The one who is, as we sing about, who's held me fast. So we're to think this way. Church, this is a way we're to think. And again, throughout this section, as we mentioned, we see God at work in those running the race. So let me end with kind of three press on. So press on, three things to press on for. They're, they're short here. One, press on in your faith because Christ has redeemed you. A reason to press on, you're purchased. The good shepherd has come for you, his precious sheep. If you're in Christ, you can run because He's run after you. So press on in your faith because Christ has redeemed you. 
that kind of correlate verse 12. Another one, verse 13 through 14. Press on in your faith because God has called you. He's at the finish line. He's yelling to you, my daughter, my son, keep running. This is the end. I'm giving you all you need. And I'm at work in you to bring you to me. Keep running, right? Don't run looking back. Strive forward with the strength that God says He will supply. So press on your faith because God has called you. I can press on. He's redeemed me. He's called you. When the enemy's darts start flying. Number three, press on in your faith because God is revealing Himself to you. He's revealing Himself. He reveals Himself through His Word. He reveals Himself through trial and suffering in ways we could never see Him else uh, otherwise. He reveals Himself through each of us. Each of us gathered. The church here, Bethany Bible Church, the local church, is part of God's work, His revealing to us. This is not just a solo race, me and God and well, there's some other people I gather with and we sing together, but it's, it's just me and Him. This is the body. This is part of a, we're all running that race. And some of you are running well and you need to find somebody that's, I'm out of breath. And you pick them up. Come on, look, help, help them. Some of you that are out of breath need to find someone that looks like they have a little more breath than you and say, help me, I'm out, I'm, I can't finish this. And let God work through His body. In that, to strive, as Paul would say, to strive together, side by side. You've seen, now we're on a video, but I mean, you've seen the videos, right? In the those marathons, the one that's struggling, and at that, and then the the runner that comes back, and remember, they kind of carry them and they help them across. I think at that point, nobody cares who won the race. They're like, great, you finished first. They care about the person that went back and helped. They strove side by side. Do that as a church. Our calling. Well, if you're paying attention, I left out one verse, and that's where we're going to close. It's verse 16. This is the last verse of this particular section that says, Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I think, in other words, press on from your current place in Christ. We end with this. Kind of seems similar to Jesus. His message of the talents in Matthew 25. What has you know? What has God given you? Where are you at today? What will you do with with the faith and the knowledge of Christ you have today? It's not about whether you've been to seminary or you know Greek or you know this or you've read this book. Where are you at with the measure of what God's already given you? And to take that, hold fast where God's brought you, and and then by His power, looking to Him. This, this one who's made us his own, he's called us, he's revealed our need, then we strain forward towards Christ. Until that day of resurrection, until we be with the Lord, Christian maturity is not a matter of arriving, but striving. So dear believer in Christ, let us press on and go forward. Let me pray. Father, we're tempted to make this just an independent race and, and to try to look good. I've got it all together. I'm, I'm doing this race pretty well. Father, the clear teaching here, even from Paul, is to say, I'm not there yet. 
and we need you, and you work through the body. So Lord, help each one of us to welcome one another, to look for those that are, that are out of breath, those that have a twisted ankle, offer them a shoulder, help us to strive side by side. So Lord, I'm, I'm just praying for eyes to see the needs. Either way, whether we're doing well and we're, we're kind of on a mountaintop these days or we're in a valley, Lord, guide us to encourage one another. And then we thank you, Lord, that none of these from, from Paul to, to press on, to raise, to the call, or none of these happen outside of your sovereign work in our lives, that you are, you are the worker behind our working. And we praise you, Lord. We could not do this on our own. And Lord, may you be glorified, whether it be suffering or victories. Lord, help us to live for you to press on this very day. Lord, may we not take take pride in our past accomplishments or take despair in our past sin, but to press on for the upward prize of God in Christ Jesus. We want to gain you, Jesus. Use your word, use your people, use your spirit in our lives, we would ask in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota. 